0: just sensed God going to do something so powerful in our midst. And in your life, in your situation, I don't know what you're going through, but I know God does. Terry, Terry, hear me today. God knows. And he cares. brought you to say that he brought you here so you can hear that again you know it but he's telling you again I care and I'm able to do something And what we think is too far gone it's not too far gone with God we went to dinner with friends last night and our friend testified of how God brought life back into what the doctors had said was a dead nerve. It's my friend, Dave Wigington, he spoke, at, he spoke here a few times, I'm bringing him back, you have to hear this testimony. He lost one arm in a meat grinder. And the other arm, because of s- such overactive use, the nerve uh, was damaged. In fact, the doctors said it's damaged beyond repair. The best we could do is fuse your shoulder so you could you could reach into your pocket and, and feed yourself. That's as that's as much as you'll much mobility as you'll have. And he was just days away from this happening. And God intervened. And God brought in a man, a situation that he was able to get therapy, and um and, and God brought healing. And now he's he's lifting his arm all the way. Do you remember? How many remember when when Dave Wigington was here, and he had no mobility in that arm. He got a brand-new prosthetic arm for $76,000 that the insurance paid for in full, and then has full range of motion and movement and strength in his other arm. Come on, somebody. Let's just give God thanks today. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm going to attempt... To preach from a stool, this is going to be a challenge for me. I'm not trying to be um, culturally relevant today, I'm not trying to be uh, hip or I don't know. Um, I'm doing this out of necessity, I have surgery tomorrow, I would appreciate your prayers. Um, there's a hernia that's going to be corrected and so thank you for praying for me. But. Um, As long as I'm seated, I'm I'm pain-free, so if you don't mind, I'll just preach from my chair today. Amen? Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, when word came to Sanballat, remember Sanballat and Tobiah, uh, they are the enemy, when word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, although up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanbalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Father, we thank you for your presence in this room today. Such a powerful, powerful, and loving presence has filled our lives, and we are full of hope today. We thank you for your word and the power of your word to continue to shape us and to make us, and I'm praying, God, that today as I preach your word, the ears of the people would be open, their hearts would be receptive, and what you've intended your word to do, let that be done in Jesus' name. Come on, if you want the word to change you today, join with me and just say amen. Amen. Nehemiah is almost finished with the work on the wall. He had rebuilt the wall or repaired. There were certain sections that only needed repair, and so he had worked to either rebuild or repair the wall. And the He had rebuilt the wall entirely. There were no breaks left in the actual wall. The Bible tells us it was complete all the way around. The only thing that still needed to be done was he still needed to hang the doors in the gates. This is a pretty critical uh, piece of the puzzle and part of the completion. The walls can be all tight and complete, rebuilt, repaired. But if there's no door, the enemy can still come in. He's so close to being finished when what happens? The enemy attacks again. Can you believe the enemy and his gall? The enemy attacks again. Remember this. Where God is at work, the enemy is also at work. How many have found that true in your life? You'll come out of a service like this and be so full of God's presence and so full of hope and God will have touched you, God will have healed you, God will have given you clear direction and what do you know? The very next thing that happens is you're attacked by the enemy again. As we continue in our study in Nehemiah. We've entitled, Let Us Rise Up and Build. We find ourselves now at chapter 6. Here is Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies trying to stop the work of God and plotting an attack on God's people. Again. Somebody say, again. You need to get that today. Because if you think the enemy's ever just going to stop messing with you, stop bothering you, stop attacking you, you're in la-la land, sir, ma'am. The enemy is going to try and attack you again. And so today I want us to look at what I've entitled the message, Tactics of the Enemy. Write this down, Tactics of the Enemy. In order to successfully prevail over the enemy, we have to know how the enemy works, how he fights. We have to know his tactics. The first thing I want you to be aware of when it comes to the enemy, he is a schemer. The enemy is a schemer. Look at our our text closely. Sanbalat, Geshem, verse 2. Sanbalat, Geshem, they sent me this message. They said, well, come on. Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were actually scheming to harm me. The enemy didn't like that the work continued and that the work was this close to being complete. Remember, they tried to stop the work of the Lord, the work of God, the work on the walls. They tried to stop this work earlier. In chapter four, they tried to bring discouragement, and we learned how to defeat discouragement. But they tried to stop the work of the the Lord by simply discouraging God's people, and it works a lot of the time, by the way. Discouragement will grind the wheels of advancement to a screeching halt But if discouragement can be broken, we can keep doing the work of God and what God has called us to do. The enemy tried to discourage them with ridicule. The enemy tried to to discourage them with repression. And that attack failed. Thank God. But you would hope that maybe that's just the end of the enemy. We prevailed over the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But always be aware and always be on guard. The enemy is scheming against you. The enemy regrouped, plotting and planning yet another attack. Even in the final hours of completion, the enemy tried to stop the work of God. A couple things I want you to be aware of concerning his schemes, they're dishonest. The schemes of the enemy are dishonest. They were were dishonest in Nehemiah's day. They actually pretend that they're Nehemiah's friend. They say in verse 2, come on, let's just meet together. Let's just talk this out a little bit, right? But the enemy is not your friend. I don't care how he looks, he's not your friend, and you'll never know exactly what he looks like. He won't come to you with pointy ears and a, a pointy tail and dressed in red, you know, we're, we're about to, to, Halloween's just around the corner, I was gonna say celebrate, but I would be stoned if I said we were gonna celebrate Halloween. <laughs> Halloween is here, like it or lump it, like it or leave it, whatever, it's here, and there'll be little devils, you know, dressed up and, and coming and knocking on your door, perhaps. I'm telling you, that's not what the devil looks like. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, look at this. It says, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He's not looking like you think he might look and like we've been brought up to think. He's not some caricature. He's dishonest. He's pretending to be Nehemiah's friend. And so they're enticing Nehemiah with a dishonest scheme. They say, come, let us meet together at the plain of Ono. Now, some commentators suggest they were trying to trick Nehemiah into leaving Jerusalem, where he had armed support they were trying to get him to come to a conference where they could ambush him. Ono, I studied and found, is a seacoast area near the Gaza Strip. It's like a resort area. Now remember, Nehemiah was used to a life of luxury. He was the king's cupbearer, and so he was, he was pretty well off. He was pretty, pretty well taken care of. And so to think about maybe taking a break from the work on the wall and some of the discouragement and some of the attack, it might have been appealing to him. He might have considered it for a moment. We, you know, you don't really know. He might have been tempted to get away from the work and the complaining and all the attacks. He was accustomed to the better things. A weekend at the beach seems, seems nice sometimes, doesn't it? How many would like a little weekend at the beach right now? A little break. But it wasn't a truthful plan. It was a schemed plan that was dishonest. You need to understand the the schemes of the enemy are dishonest and they never stop. They're relentless. The schemes of the enemy are relentless. Look at verse number number 4 of chapter 6. They sent me this message four times. Four times they sent this message and Nehemiah says, I just answered them back in the same manner four times. The enemy's relentless, church. He's absolutely relentless. What did Nehemiah have to do? He just had to stand his ground. Stand strong and resist the relentless, dishonest schemes of the enemy. Now Nehemiah's enemy had a name, his name was Sanballat, but our enemy also has a name, and his name is Satan, and he is a schemer. 1 Peter 5:8 says be sober be vigilant because your enemy your adversary the devil Satan himself walks around like a roaring lion seeking scheming whom he may devour i want you to hear this loud and clear today the enemy is plotting an attack on you the enemy is planning your demise the enemy is in the drawing room maybe even now scheming to bring you down and your family down we must be aware of the enemy's schemes second corinthians two eleven. be aware in order that satan might not outwit us For we are not unaware of his schemes. I'm trying to bring an awareness to you today that there is a real enemy. He is a schemer. He's relentless. He's dishonest. And he wants to bring you down. Be aware of it. Be ready for it. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God. Somebody say the full armor. Come on, we got to put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's... Come on and help me today. The devil's schemes. We go out naked most of the time. Spiritually undressed. Or maybe partially clothed. That's no good either. Not when it's clear in Ephesians 6:11 we're to put on the full armor. Come on and look at your neighbor and say you' better be fully dressed before you go out. Come on, we wouldn't even think. we wouldn't even think about leaving our home partially dressed. Come on somebody. Some of y'all are, are a little bit uncomfortable with me even talking like this, but I want to drive a point home. If we would think more like this in the spiritual realm, I can't leave without being fully clothed, fully dressed in the armor of God because there's going to be an attack. There's going to, he's been plotting and planning your, your trip, your fall, your mess up, your demise, And so we need to be aware of how the enemy schemes, we need to be ready for his schemes, and we need to resist the schemes of the enemy. James 4, 7 says resist the devil and what happens? Hallelujah. Resist the devil and he will tuck his tail and run from you. He will flee from you. But that that word resist, that's a work word and that means you better brace yourself and you got to dig in for a little bit because he's going to come at you one time and two times and three times and four times. He's going to come at you from the right and from the left and underneath and over the top. He's coming at you any way that he can. You better brace yourself and stand strong and resist the enemy. You can turn this one down so I can pound my Bible a little bit. (laughs) Hey, I'm serious today. you got to resist the enemy. And maybe if you'll tap into one or two that can help you fight and be aware and keep you accountable, you can fight against the enemy. But if you're some island out here all by yourself that you don't want to bother anybody and you're not going to tell anybody, you're going to be You're going to be slaughtered, I'm telling you right now. But you get me involved, you get Pastor Moses and Pastor Creighton and Pastor Dave and Pastor Jim and some of our deacons, and hallelujah, you get some prayer warriors involved, hallelujah. The enemy is going to have to really work some to, to get to you because we're fighting against him and we're resisting against the devil. The enemy doesn't attack you, without some plan of attack and he'll wait as long as he has to. The enemy's patient, isn't he? And he looks, Roberta, he looks for the exact right moment, sis, to just pounce on you. He's like a lion, remember? He's prowling, he's just seeking. Who am I going to get today? Who am I going to what? Devour? I believe the enemy, he, you know, he, let, me, let me say a couple things here. The enemy can't read your mind, okay? But he certainly can study your patterns. <laughs> well, and we are people of pattern. I don't care who you are. There some are very rigid patterns. How many have some pretty rigid patterns? I thought you'd raise your hand. I do too, and that's okay. But don't don't think for a minute the enemy's not just coming up with whatever to attack you. He's been studying your patterns. He's been studying you. He's scheming an attack. He's he's customizing the temptation that's going to come your way. Because what he tempts you with may not tempt tempt your neighbor at all. But all of us will be tempted in some way. That's what the Bible says. But when the temptation comes, always know that God has a way of escape for us. That's also in the Bible, by the way. I want you to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. He's a schemer. One of his greatest schemes is creating a lie. The enemy is a liar. Part of the enemy's best scheme was formulating a lie. Look at verse 5. Sanballat then sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. I talked to you about being relentless. Here it is the fifth time. Sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with a letter in his hand. In it, this was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you, Nehemiah, and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, there's your first clue that it's a lie, the word rumors. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall so that you might be king. And you have also already appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now, these matters will be reported to the king, so come together with us and let us consult on this matter. Here they are scheming again, the enemy scheming. Four different times they come at Nehemiah. And now here he comes, here they come, a fifth time. And they have created a lie. Why is the lie produced? Why is the lie schemed? They they tell the lie on the people of God, on the man of God, in order to strike fear in his heart. The lie is told to produce fear. Look at verse 8, then I sent to him, Nehemiah is talking here, he says, I sent back to them saying, no such thing as you say is being done, but you invent them in your own heart, for they all were trying to.